Hi everybody, Tim here, your best best friend, with a little bit of exciting pre-podcast podcast admin. Ooh, this episode is all about uh, the future of cinema after lockdown, and we talk a lot about uh, some of the films that have been delayed, and one of those was Tenet, which had at the time been delayed indefinitely, and Drew and I talked a lot about what that meant and whether... Uh, it would be right to release it in different countries, all of that kind of thing. Just as we were about to upload our podcast, uh, it was released in the news that Tenet will be getting a UK release on the 26th of August. It will be released in 60 countries. It will then be released in Canada on the 27th and it will be released in America on the 2nd of September. So it's no longer indefinitely shelved. Pretty likely as well that that's going to be Ju and I's first trip to the cinema since onward. It's also a really interesting decision considering how spoiler heavy I suppose Tenet is going to be. Bearing in mind this is a film that we still have no idea even what the plot is. Quite an exciting decision to have it released in countries before it gets to the American market where it could potentially be spoiled. But hey, we had to endure months of baby Yoda memes before uh, Disney Plus gave us The Mandalorian. So I think it's only fair that it flips the other way around. Even with this shocking news uh, slightly changing the tone of our podcast, there's still a lot to enjoy. We talk about uh, some of the other films that are coming out over the next couple of years. Uh, Drew talks about some of her TV highlights and I do a weirdly impassioned speech about Pirates of the Caribbean. Finally, the hot take you've all been waiting for. Anyway, let's get that um, chilled out xylophone and start the show. Bye. Welcome to Manage Expectations. We watch the biggest new movies and shows, giving non-spoiler expectation of them before we watch them and then review them afterwards. Lockdown is easy here in the UK, but this podcast is once again being recorded from our homes and opposite sides of London. It would be nice to see you soon, Tim. It would be nice. My name is Chu and this is Tim. Hello, hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so a bit of a weird one this week because we've been talking a lot recently about Tenet, which was looking more and more like it was going to be the first um, proper new film episode of Managed Expectations and we were building our battle plan for going to the cinema. It was all very exciting. With a mask on and some with, gloves. Yeah. Of course, with a mask on and, and buckets of hand sanitizer. We were going to look like Danny DeVito in that episode of It's Always Sunny where he's completely <laughs> shaved, and, shaved and covered in, in sanitizer. But this week... The casualties of the pushbacks has meant that Tenet, Disney's Mulan and Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch have now been completely removed from the release schedule for cinemas. And I don't know whether that means that they're just fed up of going like, OK, I'll be out in two weeks. OK, it'll be out in three weeks. Uh, OK, it'll be out in a month and a half um, as they constantly move it back. And they're just waiting for things to get normal before they release it. Or whether we've just lost these three films, which seems unlikely, about the expectations of what cinema will be like. Um, a lot of the cinemas are opening up in about a week's time from when we record this on the 31st of July, unless things change. So what are your expectations of cinema when it opens up? What's it? What do you think it's going to be like? 
I think it might be the year before last, there were a lot of really good movies released around Christmas. And every every couple of years, you just get an amazing bout of sort of holiday releases, which are as good as a blockbuster season in summer. And uh, so that doesn't really affect me sort of thinking about when this year movies are going to come out. I think it's also been a convenient cover for some films, which obviously needed some extra work done. I mean, the rumours around the Bond film suggest that, that there wasn't, they just needed to do some more work on it, basically. Where cinemas are being reopening, what's going to happen to independent cinemas, I honestly can't tell you. I just I have no clue. I don't know whether there's going to be a revival of people going to see cult classic movies at the places like the Rio, like my local cinema. I don't know what big chains they're going to decide to do. I think I I started lockdown by making so many predictions, and now yeah. I've just thought <laughs> anything I say is going to be wrong. Most of the cinemas that I was looking up on their web pages for fairly obvious reasons are keeping everything a little bit vague just because plans are so prone to change kind of days before but Odeon have put a fairly good and fairly comprehensive list of what they are showing at the moment okay it's it's interesting because like part of it is what life was like at the beginning of the year so if you missed the opportunity to see like 1917 or to see onward so basically every cinema's become the prince charles yeah a a little bit and and then going in and and doing things again uh, a bit like the prince charles doing things that are linked to big films that are coming out in the future so if you want to watch the early batman films before matt reeves the batman comes out they're showing those they're showing kind of interstellar and inception as well to kind of get you ready for tenet that and then really old school stuff so things like empire strikes back and goodfellas and goonies I mean, I'm making a face right now. You obviously can't see it because it's an audio recording, but Tim can. I personally think that that's a good strategy for cinemas like the Prince Charles or like the the Ritz, the Ritz in the Rio and stuff like cinemas that have uh, quirkiness and charm about them. I don't know how much I'm going to want to go back in and see something like the Harry Potter movies on the big screen in an Odeon. Like there Mm. is something slightly sterile about those environments. So I wonder whether they're going to be changing the viewing experience at all. Yeah. Or whether it's just going to be like trying to recreate that original seeing Harry Potter at the cinema kind of thing. I agree. And I think with, especially with the older films, really interesting how they choose to project it. If an Odeon said, oh, we're showing... Richard Donner's Superman, which is one of the films that they're showing, but we're showing it in the original 35mm print, then that has a that has yeah. a certain like, oh, that's like a novelty. But if it's just a really nice cleaned up digital projection of it, then yeah, it's not it's it's not worth necessarily going to the cinema. Um and we've talked quite a lot over the last few episodes about digital releases and this new kind of premium video on demand that's coming Mm. out with films like um, Like proper home cinema releases yeah yeah, exactly and whether that's going to be kind of more and more more and more the case we're at a situation where a lot of countries are reopening you know australia new zealand um countries in asia countries in europe but cinema seems to be waiting for america and america's tailing behind a lot of countries I don't know if that necessarily is a good idea because you're going to end up with all of these cinemas that can open and nothing to show. Can a view or a Cineworld or an Odeon survive going to go, look, we're going to put for, for this next bit, 
we're just gonna we're gonna put a load of really popular old blockbusters and then here are some great films coming from Italy coming from France coming from Australia I think I mean we we already kind of have I mean besmirch <laughs> the multiplexes somewhat by saying that Odeon's were sterile. I mean hope, sorry, Odeon. hopefully at the um, moment though, ster- I think I'm just um, calling to... something sterile yeah. is about the highest compliment you can give them. <laughs> I want I want everywhere that I go to be essentially sterile. <laughs> They're gonna. <laughs> I don't blame any of these films for waiting for the U.S. marketplace because quite honestly they wouldn't make their money back without the U.S. box office. So. It just, it is what it is in that kind of way. Like, I think a lot of people are complaining about, you know, cinemas having to um, wait for the US to open up, but the bare facts of the matter is that they need, the films need to make their money back, basically. That's not very helpful, I wanted to, sorry. I'm going to quickly hit, hit, hit you up with a, a list of delays. Currently, everything that I'm going to tell you is cinematic. This is still stuff that's getting, allegedly getting cinematic releases. Uh, Quiet Place 2 which has been getting a lot of pushback. So it started off with a March release, got pushed to September, and it's now been pushed to April 23rd next year. That's something that you really have to see in the cinema for the first time. I watched it on a plane and was like... Oh, wow. Some more. I realise that this could be the longest podcast ever if I just do this one at a time. Four that should have been released by now and have been pushed back a year. Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick. Minions, The Rise of Gru, yeah. Disney's Jungle Cruise, and The Forever Purge, the, the newest Purge film. The, the action movies you have to watch on the big screen, but I think the others could do well as home releases. I feel like animation is going to start moving more and more to it. So we've had Trolls, we've had um, Scoob, the new Scooby-Doo film. That's We've got no information about them at all, so it's hard to make a comment. So things like the the new Matrix film being pushed back to 2022 instead of 2021. Um, yeah. Obviously, I want to see that on a big screen with a huge sound system. Avatar, now on its 8,000th eight <laughs> pushback. It's now going to be released December 2022 instead of December 2021. There are a few films that have been just pushed back to kind of autumn, winter this year. Wonder Woman, we're going to get um, Matt Reeves, the Batman, we're going to get Black Widow, um, we're going to get Candyman, um, we're, uh, Death on the Nile, um, Solve, a new Pixar film, all of these are, are, are due for um, for kind of the end of this year. Uh, allegedly, the new Marvel Spider-Man film is still scheduled for the end of this year, but I'm not entirely sure if that will happen i would say all of those movies i would like run to the cinema to see apart from maybe death on the nile um if is that another kenneth yeah, branagh one new kenneth branagh yeah, but... <laughs> i'm never forgiving him for Artemis. <laughs> um I, I think all, <laughs> all of those i can't believe i actually watched that i think and it will feel kind of celebratory mm. if it can happen i think to finally be getting this wave of blockbusters and and like a lot of them to the best of my knowledge are mostly done or are in post-production so there's no reason for them to be delayed facing um so you have been watching things at this uh, do, do you have a list of recommendations of things that people uh, that would like to see that you have been watching recently do you have a list though are you going to make your list while i'm talking about my list yeah maybe because yeah. i've been i've <laughs> I've been I've been watching um, restaurants on the edge on um, on Netflix, which is quick. Think of something more highbrow. Which is basically just um, 
Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares, but with nicer views. And then I've been and then I've been watching the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, which um, goes from being fun to being interminable. Um, so I'm not entirely sure I would necessarily I end up quite imbecilic. <laughs> would you recommend that people watch the entire Pirates of the Caribbean? I mean, to be honest, one of my colleagues literally did say that he's he's going to watch all of the Fast and Furious movies because he's never seen them. And I was like, oh, that to, to be able to have an entry point now into a massive franchise like that and just sit and watch all the movies, um, I was a bit envious of him having that as his first time watching them. Out of all the movie franchise that people have binged over lockdown, the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise is definitely the weirdest to binge <laughs> <I'm laughs> on. So the first one you've definitely seen because you told me to watch it and it was amazing so if you have disney plus the imagineering story takes an in-depth look at the history and creation of the disney theme parks around the world by the imagineering team who create them the user found footage is fantastic and well displayed there's an amazing soothing voiceover by angela bassett very whimsical but with some really great takeaways so thank you so much for telling me to watch that i loved it so much the second one is an oldie but a goodie i've been watching all, and I say all, like all 12 seasons of Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown, which is on Netflix. And so the Fiery Opinionated Chef uh, series doesn't need any introduction at all. If you don't know who Anthony Bourdain is, just go and watch this series and then you can go back and watch his older series, No Reservations, which you can find on like YouTube clips and things like that. But the opening episode is fantastic. He goes to Myanmar after Obama's visit in something like 2009 and it's so great to see like the world literally changing over the 12 seasons that he's that he does the show but my favorite favorite episode if you get one episode to watch is when he goes to Sicily and he gets so angry that a chef who purportedly has fresh fish on his menu the chef goes diving to find the fish in the harbor with Auntie Bourdain but the chef is throwing frozen dead fish into the ocean for Auntie Bourdain to catch and find and Auntie Bourdain gets so annoyed that this whole conceit is going on that he just gets out and goes and gets plastered drunk in a nearby bar um when they do some like extra bits of the filming with the chef Andy Bourdain's not around then he shows up to a dinner later just like so so hammered out of his mind that he doesn't remember the dinner so that voiceover is brilliant he's like <laughs> allegedly i ate some food allegedly i did this but i was so angry that i got really drunk it's just brilliant the sister episode is, is incredible the next one instead of watching the very vapid fear city mafia documentary which i watched the other day and was like this is there are no great takeaways from this i suggest instead mm. you watch how to fix a drug scandal on netflix it's a story about two drug lab chemists uh, shocking crimes which cripple a state's judicial system and blur the lines of justice for lawyers so it's basically about two drug lab chemists in massachusetts uh, sonia frack and annie dukin and they're tampering with evidence and so they don't interview the, the women directly involved in the scandal because they refuse to talk to the press but there's this really enigmatic lawyer called luke ryan who like doggedly pursues justice in it it's a four-parter 45 minute episodes and it's quite similar to that is Netflix series Athlete A, which follows the Indianapolis Star uh, newspaper writers exposing Dr. Larry Nasser's sexual abuse of young gymnasts in the US gymnastics team. So if you're into criminal justice documentaries, both of them are brilliant. And then there's a just an, I mean, <laughs> these are all documentaries on Netflix, but there's another great one. It's a movie called Sour Grapes. I don't know if you've seen this one or heard of it. 
No. I think you'd really like it. So it's like a chronicle of this really fascinating fine wine fraud in the US a couple of years ago. This guy who basically like cheated investors out of millions and millions of dollars. Oh, wow. My biggest takeaway from it was Bill Koch, the American collector, is in it. There's a great scene in his wine cellar. He goes and catalogues all the ones that he thinks are fakes and forgeries. And just the amount of forged wine in this documentary alone is is great for watching it. So uh, that's a fantastic one. And then my, my last suggestion was just everybody now go and watch I May Destroy You on iPlayer. It's just the best thing that I think the BBC has produced in years. And it's very important and necessary. And just everything about it is fantastic. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, sorry, that was a bit of a ramble. No, that was, good. <laughs> that was good. I mean, I, so I don't know. I mean, like my big enjoyments have been unabashedly loving um, Disney Plus. So both the Imagineering story and a, another documentary called Prop Culture, Yay. where they go and um, look back at the props of kind of old movies. And it's both of those documentaries are very clearly made with the help and thanks of Disney. So um, although the Imagineering story does actually go kind of talking about the challenges in a way that I wasn't expecting. Prop culture is very much like, this is fantastic. We're so lucky to be here at Disney. Um, but it yeah. is really lovely and really good. Apart from that, I have watched all of Bob's Burgers, which I had never seen before. Bob's Burgers, it's on Amazon, but it is amazing. And then the other thing that I want to mention, it's going to be slightly controversial and left field because it's not um, a film or a TV show. It is an Audible thing. Audible have just released a radio play, essentially, of the first three i think sandman book graphic novels oh wow and they've released it as a kind of like high budget play like radio drama with an incredible cast um james mcavoy samantha morton riz ahmed taron edgerton kat dennings michael sheen andy circus are all in it sandman for me is not just one of the first kind of graphic novels I ever read. I wasn't really into comics and somebody said, oh, you should read this, though. It's really good. Um, it's probably one of the best bits of modern fantasy that have ever been written. I absolutely love it. It's um, an incredibly dense and rich and powerful bit of work that covers thousands of years and looks at gods and mythology and murderers wow. and it's just brilliant the radio play has been di kind of directly adapted from the scripts that neil gaiman wrote for the and uh, illustrators so it has lots of like you are in this room and this is happening and this looks like this and this looks like that but that, that's all narrated by neil gaiman there's been talk for years of sandman being turned into film or a tv show but it is such a huge and sprawling thing not pirates of the caribbean then <laughs> well look the first one's good first one's good second one is all right it's fun um i'm gonna say davy jones is the best character in the entire franchise he looks incredible he still stands up today as being visually incredible i had a very heated twitter debate about this it just does the one thing and it's not the only film that's guilty of this it does the one thing that i can't forgive in films which is i hate films that don't have an ending i hate films that you get to the end of the second act and then they go 
go and see the next film. Like if you're built, if you're building a trilogy, each part of your story has to have, yeah, has to have its own little three act structure that you're following. And then there's a larger theme going on. Like, that's all I want. Um, and so the fact that it ends on a to be continued really bugs me. And then the third film, again, like it's fun. It's, it's just, they're so bogged down in this incredible mythology. I love the mythology of the first three films, but they're so bogged down in it that they forget to really focus on plot or character and nothing makes sense. However, those three films shine as beacons of cinema making compared to the fourth one on Stranger <laughs> Tides. It's just a hot mess. I've never seen It'll, it. So... There is a book. I love the, it. Just it just starts to get really like it all falls apart. Like people's costumes are falling so, off. Like the water is fake. Yeah, like. I mean basically. But there, there's a book called On Stranger Tides. It's amazing. It's really interesting. I found it really kind of captivating. It's a spooky pirate mystery about Blackbeard trying to find the fountain of youth so that he can live forever because somebody's oh i have seen it yeah Yeah. it has pirates and swashbuckling and zombies and voodoo and it's where i learned how much i love this kind of world and this sort of mythology they bought the rights to make a film and i was like oh this is gonna be great then it got turned into a pirates of the caribbean film where all of that really interesting stuff is tiny and a tiny part of this long drab gray film which Johnny Depp is the lead of and his character does not work as the lead of it and it's so boring and dour. Yeah. Problem with the newest one Dead Dead Men Tell No Tales or Salazar's Revenge is that it's just hitting the same notes as the first one but not as good so it's just another cursed ghostly captain out, out, out for revenge but that's already been done. So yeah there's talks of a reboot. Another one. Yeah. Yeah. Um that no one wants. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if they can do it well, I'd be interested. They haven't been finding good stories, really. When I saw the first one for the first time, I just, the thing that upsets me is the wasted potential. Mm. So it has the opportunity of being. 17th like 18th century indiana jones yeah like you get you get swashbuckling pirates going in and dealing with these crazy fantastical things and fighting against the east india trading company and all of that sounds brilliant yeah um the reboot margot robbie's been cast oh cool and she i think she'd be good as either like a pirate hero or taking the agent of chaos Rain away from Johnny Depp because she's shown with Harley Quinn how great she is in that yeah. role. Um, not wanting to pigeonhole her as Harley Quinn forever, but well, they could go almost like down a more Tomb Raider route with it, couldn't they? So they could just have somebody who is literally like yeah. a, on a quest, like an adventure explorer. It's I what I've seen is it really loses something when they get rid of Gore Verbinski. Do you think that um? Sorry, this is now turning into a. Um, I was going to say, we're just podcast. reviewing the parts of the Caribbean movie. Yeah. Um, Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio, even though they wrote four of the five films, that maybe they're not the best people to write them because. Are you going to put your hat in the ring? Oh, uh, yeah, totally. I'd be, I'd be awful. But I mean, if they can come up with a really good other magical item. So they had, you know, the fact that 
they've got the curse of the Aztec gold and then they make two films based on Davy Jones's locker. And then I'd just argue that the problem with four and five is it's not a compelling enough quest. So you just have to make a good compelling quest. And the thing that I like about Gore Verbinski is that his his yeah. visuals are insane. So, you know, there's there's a moment where you can be worried that you're not understanding the plot, but two ships are firing cannons as they swirl around a, a huge hurricane or whirlpool. As they swirl around the whirlpool, firing cannons at each other, whilst Johnny Depp fights Davy Jones, who's this giant squid man, while an enormous Naomi Harris explodes and turns into a billion crabs. Like, it's not visually boring, whereas the, ne- the next two films are. Anyway, and that is the end of my hot take on Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I was going to say, actually, this has made me think we've got all those massive gaps for things like Mulan that we had. We should pick a franchise that either we haven't seen in a really long time or that we actually haven't seen before and just I've, go and watch all those movies. I've never seen Fast... I've only seen Fast and the Furious, the first ever one. Should we watch all the Fast and the Furious movies and yes. do that as a podcast? Episode? And then there's also Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, I've seen... I have seen Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah, because you would be at that screening. Uh, no, but I felt like I, oh, no, the no, reason that I've yeah. not watched any of the others is because I haven't seen any of the ones prior. And then I thought I could go and watch Hobbs and Shaw without having seen eight Fast <laughs> like and Furious you want films. these people, why do they hate each yeah. other? Uh, that might be our next episode. Excellent. <laughs> All the Fast and Furious movies. Um, thanks so much for listening again. As ever, you can find us on Twitter at ManageExpect. Thanks so much for listening. And um, we will see you again next week after having watched oh, the Fast and Furious movies. Bye. Bye. <laughs>